So I want to make a t-shirt for the, the Beer Eerie. Yeah, I'm in. Let's do it. And it's going to sound stupid. All Why? Right. There because... are, okay, no stupid ideas or just get out your stupid ideas because without fear. And I know that I'm saying I'm mangling all of this, but lay it out there because what you think might be stupid might actually be rad. I want a simple t-shirt that would be like a black shirt with a white outline of a poop emoji with a ghost in it. And then on the back, it says the spooky dookie. That's hilarious. <laughs> I really want to do it because of that episode where I'm like, that's spooky dookie. <laughs> that's dumb. That's why I was or, like, okay, it's a or dumb idea. You could, you could just have like the ghost with like a poop emoji where it like flew by and pooped out something. That's a spooky dookie too. Ooh, that is a spooky dookie. Like on yeah. a person too, like a bird. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> It's like a, it's like a superstition thing where you know you you laugh, but I have been shit on by a bird before, and it is not fun. And it's supposed to be good luck. They, people just say that because you've been shit on, and they're trying to make the person with shit all over themselves feel better. That's 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 two weeks good luck there, guy. Good job. No, it is not. No, it is not. Welcome to the Beery Eerie Podcast, everybody. How's it going? How's everybody doing today? I know I know that I can't hear your response, but I hope that everybody was like, I'm good. I'm doing great, Allison. Yeah, it's, it's a great time during quarantine. Yeah. <laughs> I look forward to our dulcet tones every week. I don't know if anybody else is, but I do. Yes. It's a fun time. Seriously. How is your week, Ethan? It's been hectic, as like I said for like the last three weeks, but now it's like even worse. Like whenever I said it was hectic before, it was not hectic. It's worse. <laughs> it gets worse. But I only have to go to work like two days a week now, and the rest is at home. So I like it. That's uh, pretty good. Yeah. I can't say anything eerie or anything happened during my week, but uh, how about you, Allison? I mean, like, I guess unless you lived in a haunted house or are actively trying to call spirits or summon demons into your home, you probably aren't having a very eerie week <laughs> most of the time. How, how do you fill your time during quarantine? Play with Ouija board? Yeah, play with, well, yeah. <laughs> Actually, I did see a, a witch meme about that. It's like stay home, and one of and they were all pinup models, of course. And like one of them, one of the witch was talking on the phone, and the other one was playing with the Ouija board. Thought it was pretty cute. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So, anyways, how's your week? Oh, my week. Um, I still write my tarot treks articles on veilandvowtarot.com, so that's pretty fun. Yeah. Um, I tried my hand at making a meme. I'm not super great at it, but I made a my friend. I had a friend, Courtney, ask me what tarot card I would associate with the Hunchback of Notre Dame. And I would, I immediately thought the devil because of like Count Frollo or whatever his name is, Claude Frollo. I'd, I haven't seen the movie since you were a kid because you you didn't like it. I didn't know <laughs> so that this just, was a movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when you were little, when you were little... Mom watched The Hunchback of Notre Dame with you. And I'm talking like you were toddler age, like three, maybe four. And you looked at mom and you said, why is that boy broken? Because you didn't understand. And oh. mom was like heartbroken. And we never watched it again. But when you think about that movie, if you remember anything about it, that movie is not for kids. Count Frollo or Claude Frollo is a thirsty dude. And he is evil. A thirsty dude? He's looking for them fix? Yes. <laughs> 
Yes, he he lusted mightily after the Romani woman, Esmeralda. And then because she didn't want to get with him, he burned her at the stake. This is all a real life story that was turned into a Disney movie. And in the movie, she gets saved by the Hunchback of Notre Dame. But in reality, she was burned at the stake. I mean, old school Disney had lots of hints of bad judgment calls on his beliefs and stuff. So this, well... (laughs) That's true, but I don't care how many animated gargoyles you throw in a movie. It does not make it for kids, necessarily. (laughs) Uh, But yeah. And um, I also went out yesterday with my husband, and we took a picture of me by the glass recycling dumpster. And I know that that sounds stupid, but we try to make it like really cool because one of the characters I play in Werewolf the Apocalypse is a bonar, and I'm trying to get... Jason Carl's attention. He's one of the writers and storytellers for World of Darkness. He does LA by Night, which is on YouTube, which is a pretty fun vampire the masquerade series to watch. There's so much of it. And they're going to probably start doing Werewolf when Werewolf 5 comes out next year. And I'm really excited about that. And I know it will go nowhere, but my fervent desire is to be an NPC in like one of his games. Witness me, Jason Carl. Witness me. <laughs> Witness me and let me be a part of your life. <laughs> just understand that I am so cool. You're just searching <laughs> for that clout. Ah, uh, I can't help it. It's 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 a dream. A dream that will go nowhere, but if I don't put it out there, it'll never happen. <laughs> you gotta try. Jeez. Follow your dreams, okay, Beery Eerie family? Follow your dreams. Beery Eerie Society, if you ever want to do something, don't think about the haters. Just do it. Do it for the love of doing it, which is why we do the Beery Eerie podcast in general. We do it for the love. I was going to say that because it's not like we're super good. We're just there to put our our voices out there. I think we're incredible. And somebody out there likes us at least a little bit. I think so. I think that's a valid statement. Mom likes us. She writes us fan mail all the time. Yes, and at least once a month. Hell yeah. <laughs> um. So what are you drinking this week, though? Oh, my God. Okay, so I figured that I was going to have to switch to the box wine because one of my go-tos, and nobody knows this yet because I've never said it, is Barefoot Box Wine. Pinot Noir is the one that I get because it's good. I like it. It's easy. Whatever. Stocked up on some box wine. I've got an- another one in the reserves, and I was like, I'll just drink box wine and fine but cinderblock released the mead they made mead spritzers and i had them delivered by emily yesterday and i'm so happy and i'm drinking their grapefruit mead spritzer right now i know it seems like cinderblock is the only thing i drink which is not true but it is today (laughs) i i wish that emily would deliver down here to lee summit but apparently that's too far of a drive well, it is kind of. You live forty minutes away. <laughs> no, I agree. It is. It is a far drive. So, me and Bethany actually took the drive uh, yesterday to go to Cinder Block, and we picked up probably fifty dollars worth of worth of beer. Which heck yeah, it's honestly not a lot from there. Uh, <laughs> no, but it's craft and artisanal, and it's good. It is. And it's good. local, and you're supporting a local business, and you should be proud of that. Hell yeah! So mm-hmm. I actually got my two selections because Bethany picked two, and I picked two. I got the Mai Tai wheat, which is what I'm drinking today. Yeah. I've also got the Pavers Porter in the fridge, which that's, is really good. That's my dad's favorite. That's Buck Reeves' favorite. He Heck loves yeah. the Pavers Porter. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, you didn't tell me what Bethany got. Uh, she got she got the grapefruit mead, and we both yes. wanted to try that. It's really good. It and is. then she got the cider, the French cider. That one's good, too. Yes, it is. 
Yes, yummy, it is. Yummy. Very smart of her. Yes, I agree. And we actually, we went up there because we like made our social distancing and whatever, blah, 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 blah. But as we're up there and talking to the bartender, she's like, we're like, uh, I don't think we're alcoholics, but we want this, this, and this. And she's like, I honestly think you should get more if you're stockpiling. And we went to go put the stuff up in the truck and Bethany looks at me and goes, should we buy more? Because we're going to go through this in like two days. <laughs> yeah. You should always buy more. Always buy more. We almost did, but I was like, no, it's fine. We'll just have an excuse to get out of the house for a little bit if we need more. That's fair. Getting I mean, out, it, getting stuff done. As long as you're in your truck and you're not like worming up on people or touching everything and touching your face or wearing gloves and then eating. That's a dumb Oh, my God. I've seen some of those memes. Oh, that. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> Or don't touch your cell phone with your glove or pull the glove off with your mouth. Like, that's Ugh. dumb. That is literally the dumbest thing I've seen. I don't think people think about it. I think they just do it without thinking. And then later they're like, oh, fuck, I'm a dumbass. <laughs> I hope they think that because, I mean, I would say the same thing. Oh, no, <laughs> don't just don't touch your face. Don't. So <laughs> so what are we what are we delighted to hear you tell us about this week, Allison? What what, what can we be serenaded by? Yes. Today, this week's topic is the Sour Castle in Kansas City, Kansas. I brought it all the way back to the local area and going to dive deep into this mystical, it's less mystical than you might think, but this Victorian style mansion that is right here in the heart of Kansas City. What? I'm very excited about it. Yes. What I castle know is in Kansas? Okay, well, actually, there are a bunch of buildings that look like castles. It's not actually a castle. It's just called the Sour Castle because of its opulence. It's actually a 19th century Italian-style villa that was built in 1871. What's interesting about it, other than everything, is that it was one of the first houses in America that was built with indoor plumbing and closets, which apparently were unheard of at the time. Everybody had big armoires. Jesus. Yeah. It's interesting. So they built closets and indoor plumbing, which rocked. I mean, even Mima can tell you stories about the farm where they didn't have indoor plumbing. They went to the outhouse. It doesn't matter how cold it is. If you got poop, you're going outside. Yeah, I feel that. I do that whenever I have to, like, when I live in the camper during the winter. And you I, poop outside? I, well, I go out to the outhouse and go, go to the <laughs> bathroom because I'm too cheap to furnish a fully heated camper over the weekend, you know? I'm just glad you're not deucing off your porch. <laughs> No, but I pay off my porch. Well, that's fair. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) one of the castle's striking features. So like picture in your mind, like the Adams family house, but like good looking and made of brick with a giant tower. Um, Picture that. That's one of its striking features is this large tower that was built in this house. And the idea of the tower and of where it was built at the time was so that you could have like a 180 degree view all around you. And on one side you could see, well, I guess it would be 360 if it's all around you, but like you on one side you could see the Kansas and Missouri river where they can join. And on the other side, you'd be able to see Missouri river. It was just, it's just really, really interesting. And there's actually a YouTube video that I want to talk about later, but you can watch people go through the house And you can see from the top of the tower, because they go up there, the whole view of the city. And it's really, really pretty. That's cool. It is really cool. It, it's just, it, oh, I just love it. Anyway, it 
when it was built, it also had a winery and a grape arbor. So where they would grow the grapes, it had a schoolhouse and a bakery, and it even had a pool. Like Whoa. this was very fancy. This is an incredibly fancy house. This is 1871. Um, like, yes, 1871. Like Civil War ish time frame. Yeah, right after. Yep. <laughs> Jeez. Yes. Um, it is on the National and State Registry of Historic Homes, and they, they it made it to that registry in 1977. It was possibly, they're not sure, but it was possibly designed by Aza B.B. Cross, who was the first professional architect in Kansas City. And there, I don't know if everybody will know who this is, because I didn't when I was doing the research, and I had to do some more looking into who this architect was. But he designed the Union Depot, which was the predecessor to Union Station, hmm. um, the Jackson County Courthouse, the old one, obviously, and the Vale Mansion, which is another Victorian style mansion because it was built at the time, obviously. And they do paranormal investigations and ghost hunts there. Wow. I've, I've heard of and seen the Vale Mansion and followed them on Facebook and stuff. This guy sounds like he builds a house and then summons the demons and lets it go. No. That's like not that's why. kind of that's rude. I wouldn't want to hire him as an architect. Why wouldn't you? Because the houses are so beautiful. Why? Do you think that Victorian mansions are creepy? I mean, yeah, you look at them and they look it's iconic. It, that is the the hauntedness of it. Tell me why you think they're creepy. Why do you think they're haunted? Because this is actually an important point that I want to talk about. Uh, they look creepy because oh, I would say that they just they have a creepy vibe just because of all the ornate features and everything on a Victorian house and the ornate features, one. Okay, what else? Yeah, and I don't know. A lot of people died during that time. They well, a lot of people died during all times. That's fair. That's a fair point too. When what was the Victorian area era, by the way? Okay, right. Okay, so the Victorian era was between like 1830s ish until she died in like the 1900s and the 1910s, something like that. I don't remember her exact birth and death, but it was all about when she was on the throne. And part of her reign was characterized by the death of her husband. And she wore black and was in mourning the whole time. And that's part of Victorian era art and style and fashion and mourning culture and things like that. That's part of the Victorian era. That's hmm. the Victorian era time frame when Queen Victoria was on the throne on England in England. That makes sense. Yeah. And it was it, it had a very characteristic style. And part of that style was the style of architecture at the time. And you mentioned it being creepy. And a lot of people thought it was creepy. And I looked into why people associate the Victorian era or the Victorian architecture with being creepy. Would you like to know what I found? Of course I would. <laughs> okay. So... After the Civil War, which would be right around the time that these houses were being built, like you said, after the Civil War, it was a time of extreme wealth for some and extreme poverty for like way more people. So the Victorian aesthetic, these big opulent mansions that were very ornate, like you said, were a status symbol. They were a showy thing of like it was it was to show off your wealth and status, but it also became a symbol of corruption and greed because how do you make lots of money? Well, you make it off the backs of all of these poor workers that didn't have like, there was no, there weren't unions. There were no like set working conditions. It was not against the law. Like kids were put in factories and stuff. It was all very dangerous. There were no workers rights or anything like that. So it was really easy to make 
a living off of all of these other people. So it became both a status symbol and a symbol of corruption and greed. And that's part of the story. So by the 1920s, we were moving away from that style of architecture, both in the United States and around the world, obviously. And people looked at the Victorian style because of this bloat and corruption as like as a dark thing. And there was an art historian who is alive today. This is a person who is a contemporary of us. Her name is Sarah Burns. And she writes that the house is a craggy pile of jutting gables and narrow windows with dagger points that pierce its shabby facade, revealed in the glare of the moonlight and etched with zigzag shadows. It is unease, anxiety, and it, it, it brings out unease and anxiety in the viewer. And that's what you said about the houses. You were like, they just look creepy. They look weird. So part of it is a sign of corruption and greed. But the other part of it is that in the Victorian times, people would have not funerals in the home, but viewings of the bodies in the parlor of the house. So the dead body would sit in the house for days for people to come and see it. Oh, so I've not. Seen that. It, yes that's like a that's like an english thing to do isn't it like a lot it wasn't lot. just english it was it was the whole time like people did that here gross in the united states for example and this is something we should cover on another podcast but you know swope park general yes. swope or whoever whoever that park is named for i don't remember his name but anyway his body was interred in their house for people to come and see for days and days and days also this wasn't just something in england this was here in the united states too i didn't know that at all yeah you just see um, it a lot in like english uh, uh movies and sitcoms and stuff like that or whatever oh yeah but yeah people's people would have their relatives there for other relatives or you know, neighbors and friends to come and see the body for a long, long time. So people would have their funer funerals there. And part of these big mansion houses is that they would pass from generation to generation to generation. Like one family would own this one house for like five, six, seven generations because they were huge and gorgeous and beautiful. And generations of families would live and die in that house. So they become associated, one, with being greed and bloat and opulence, but two, with being a place where spirits would reside because their bodies were there, they lived and died there, they'd be connected to that. I mean, if you watch, if you watch like haunted shows or like ghost hunting shows, they always talk about how like the older a house is, if it's built from like brick or stone or the wood, they're like, that's where the the energy gets trapped in the old brick and the old stone. And I don't know if that's true at all. And I kind of roll my eyes at that, but that's part of it. So those two things became a part of the popular imagination of these houses being haunted. I, w I would imagine that like the old material, would, if if the stuff was true or whatever, that would be where it would be stored. I could understand that logic. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, think about it. I mean, if, if it can be stored in the old wood and the old stone, you would have the fear and dread and trauma of and anxiety of all the family members that lived in that house. And it's all part of the same family. And that's where people start to think, oh, well, that's that that house is haunted. That person died in the house. So that's where you're going to haunt. I mean, you right. don't really hear like houses built in the 1980s or 90s having ghosts in them for the mo for the most part. Yeah, because they're not not really that creepy. They haven't had that much time to fester bad spirits yep <laughs> so that's that's why people look at victorian houses that way i mean at, in the 30s and 40s we moved to like the colonial style of um architecture and it was much more clean and pure and it, it we were moving away from like the very very rich and the very very poor and no one in between 
we are having more of a middle class happen in those times. So oh, yeah. that's that's why it moved away from all that opulence. So that's that's why people think that Victorian houses are creepy. So let's talk about the Sour Castle and the Sour family and why people might consider the Sour Castle to be creepy and haunted as well. I just thought we should have a little backstory first. So the Sour family, Anton Sauer was a German businessman and I never figured out what his business was in all of my research, just that he was a German businessman. And he, he and his, he was, yeah, sure. B-I-M-B. He owned a hostel. He and his first wife, Francesca, had five kids together. And in 1858, they moved from Vienna, Austria to New York. And that's where, because uh, Anton, he had tuberculosis and he thought moving to the United States would be better for him. And he could do more business dealings. He spent the entire Civil War in New York building up his own business, which was, I mean, that's probably the smart thing to do. I mean, yeah. you wouldn't want to fight. Like, <laughs> I wouldn't want to go to KC because that's kind of where all the fucking stuff happened. Well, a lot of stuff happened. There's a lot of uh, houses around the area that are that would be interesting to cover at some point because of the Civil War fights that happened here. But they didn't move to Kansas City until 1869. So in 1868, Francesca dies. And Anton has tuberculosis, like I said, and it's getting worse. So he moves from New York to Kansas City. And in 1869, so a year after Francesca's death, he marries his second wife, Mary... And I don't know if I'm going to pronounce this right, but Mary Messerschmidt, who was already a widow. She was like 28. No. Yeah, she was. She was a widow and she already had two daughters of her own. And then they go on to have five more daughters. Holy so if you're cow. keeping track, yeah, people. OK, they didn't really have birth control. I so. understood that. I was about to say he only <laughs> had five kids with with his first wife. Wow, that's actually kind of like low number. But then he's like, <laughs> That was my first wife. Full scene. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he had five kids with his first wife, married a woman with two kids. So the kid count was seven. Then they had five more daughters, which would have brought the kid count to 12, 12 children. And, but one of one of their kids died um, at 14 months old, which Dish also was not uncommon at the time because, you know, diseases and all sorts of stuff could run through. Right. And it just happened. Oh, you got the common cold. Hopefully you live, son. Yeah, exactly. Oh, man. But anyway, so he had the mansion built to house both his new wife and all of their their children, just all of them. All their offspring. And yes. And it was built in 1871 and was fully furnished by 1872. So moving forward, Anton dies of tuberculosis in 1879. He died in the house. So that's our first death in the house other than their their child that also died oh, at the time. So that's yeah. we're up to two deaths in the house that we are aware of. And this isn't um, that long of a time frame either. No, no. He, yeah, I think he died like a month or two after their daughter died, I think. Oof. I might be mistaken, but it was something like uh, there were some of the deaths that were really close together, which is super sad. See, Mary and their children continued to live in the house after that. Mary died in 1919 in Kansas City of... Well, it's all in Kansas City, but in Kansas City, Missouri, of a heart attack. And then her children lived there after. So one, one of Mary and Anton's daughters, Eve, she ends up continuing to live in the house. And she married a man named William C. Von Fossen. And they have one daughter. Their marriage failed 18 months into it. Ouch. So, yeah. So he... He was a real winner, I guess. 
Yeah. So then Eve married John S. Perkins, who had six children already from his previous marriage. Eve. Awesome. So yeah, right. they have like they have a bunch of kids running around. Oh man, so many children. Uh, unfortunately, one of the three children that they had together drowned in the pool at like a super young age, like 18 months old or something like that. So that's up to I think we're like three deaths on property. 18 months sure. old? How the hell? Yeah. Somebody probably wasn't watching. Uh, clearly not. What a terrible babysitter. Well, I don't, I don't know what happened. I mean, maybe it was an accident. Who knows? I, I wasn't there. So all I can say is that one drowned in the pool. Jeez. That's, I don't know. It was a young, one of the kids drowned. So later in 1930, John, who's Eve's husband, dies by suicide. He shoots himself because he's upset about his failing health. So he's like, well, I'll just I'll just handle it right now, I guess. And this mm. is when ghost stories start to be associated with the house because he dies by suicide, he shoots himself, and that's when people around the area start saying, oh, this house is haunted now. Because when people die in violent ways, people automatically like associate, okay, this is a haunted house now. Yeah, I mean, I would with, you know, just being that neighbor, be like, hey, Betty, did you hear? They had an 18-month-year-old drown, and now he committed suicide? Haunted. That place is fucked. Like, <laughs> no. Well, it already looks creepy by that point. People have moved away from Victorian houses. Jeez. And even wealthy people had moved away from Victorian houses and were getting, like, new, more modern, up-to-date houses. So that's, that's part of it. So people start to associate these beautiful mansions with being creepy, and people are dying in them, and yeah, all of that. <laughs> Makes sense. So Eve dies in 1955, and that's when the house changes hands after being in the Sour family for five generations, five generations of people living and dying in this house. And it is sold to a guy named Paul Barry. And Paul Barry really wanted to help fix up the house. And he lived there from 1955 until he died in 1986. And he really wanted to restore the property. But even during his ownership, living on the property, because of the ghost stories that were associated with it, people would try, trespass, and break in, even when he was living there. What the hell? Yes, people It's Stoll Cemetery terrible. all over again. Quit vandalizing and trespassing. Yes, exactly. Stop it, guys. Stop it. You're just, you're ruining it for everybody. So, like I said... Vandals were hella common, even when he lived there. And he even had dogs on the property to try and scare away people who were trying to poke around and be turds. When Barry died in 1968, it then passed into the hands of Bud Wyman and Cliff and Cindy Jones. And they wanted to try and turn Sour Castle into a bed and breakfast. But the neighborhood that it's in, Shawnee Heights, I think is the neighborhood the neighbors didn't want it to be a bed and breakfast because they didn't want like tons of tourists and people in their neighborhood which i kind of understand but also don't because i mean like who cares yeah it's like <laughs> what, why does it matter that people are there you're not exactly. out in the country why does it what? okay yeah i mean All they're right. not walking on your property they'd be living they'd be at the mansion but whatever it that's neither here nor there and the neighborhood didn't like it be the idea of it being a bed and breakfast and so the Joneses used it for some weddings, like people could have their weddings there for a while, but they didn't actually have the house for very long before they, did try to, they decided to try and sell it again. And it was sold to its current owner, Carl Lopp, who is a direct descendant of Anton Sauer. It was sold to him in like 1988, I think. Huh. Or, so or it is, 
and more on him later. But before we get into what's going on with the house now, we should probably talk about the eerie section, which are the ghost stories that are associated with Sour Castle. Please tell are me Anton is there. Please tell me he well, is actually, in the house. Possibly. Possibly. So by my count, there were four deaths that occurred in or around the house. Anton dies of tuberculosis and he died in the house. The infant daughter that died at 14 months old of, I'm not sure what, but she died in the house. The infant daughter that drowned in the pool. There are two different infant daughters that died at two separate. Oh, Jesus. Yes. And John Perkins' suicide in 1930. So those are are four deaths that I know of that happened in or around the house. So there's that. That's That's the ghost count, possibly. That is four too um, many for me. Four too many for you. <laughs> um, one source that I read also said Mary died in the house, but I don't think that she did because another source that seemed more reliable contradicted it and said she died in Kansas City, Missouri of a heart attack, not at the house. So I can't substantiate a fifth ghost being there. Just thought I'd throw that out there in case people were wondering. <laughs> at least you're not playing the whole, oh, it's haunted and here's it all. Here's everything. You're at least you're playing I don't, some skeptic I, on it. Well, I, I'm letting you know, like, this is, these are all the facts, the facts that I was able to find. Okay. Another source that I checked into also said other family members could die in the house of natural causes, but I can either confirm or deny that because I don't know. I can only tell you one, the ones that I know for sure. That so I would like say there are four. Gossip right there. Yeah, I think so too. Okay. So let's talk about the spirit manifestations and the reason that people think that it's haunted. Ooh. So some people say they can see lights in the tower or a couple dancing in the tower. Sure. Not. That's just the I trespassers. Don't... Yeah, possibly. <laughs> possibly. <laughs> people being dicks trespassing on the property. There have been accounts of unexplained laughter or crying. There's supposed to be a woman's apparition who walks on the widow's walk, who just like walks around in period clothing. I mean, I can't. Oh, sure. Great. Why not? Period clothing. Here we go again with that. Hey, you don't know. I, I don't know. I wasn't there. I didn't <laughs> see it. There have often been rumors associated with the house too like that there are secret tunnels and treasure that is buried on the property i think i this is this is all bunk i think this is total nonsense there's supposed to be a woman who hanged herself in the attic there is zero evidence for any of this plus the, the house is built on solid rock like there is there's no tunnel there's no secret tunnel promise <laughs> they had a big old drill bit and they just drilled their way through the rock don't worry about it uh, it's a hell mouth. <laughs> it's a hell mouth. Yep. The devil comes to visit twice a year. Yeah, twice a year. <laughs> no, none of that's true. Okay. I just don't want people to start going on the property and like looking for a hell mouth that isn't there. You've confused two different podcasts. Don't do that. <laughs> Why is there 900 vehicles at the Sour Castle? You can blame the Barrieri podcast. No, I will not let our let us be the blame. <laughs> Okay. There's also supposed to be rumors that children are buried on the property. They are not. They are they're buried wherever the rest of the sour people are buried. I don't remember what cemetery it is, but they're buried in a family plot. They're not buried on site. That's just no. There's supposed to be a boy apparition that has been reported on the property, but again, I don't think so. I don't think any little boys died there. The, the two children that died were girls. So yeah, there I, would have to be a purpose or like a reason why I don't I don't believe things just happen for no freaking reason. I Yeah, I don't know. I think people just have made up rumors associated with this. Maybe it doesn't make sense to me. Maybe the boy spirit was like a neighbor that died like a neighbor boy. And he saw the infant daughters and was trying to get some afterlife love. Well, maybe 
<laughs> Actually, that's that's not a terrible. That's not a terrible story. <laughs> it's I mean, pretty terrible. Well, I tried to give you some credit for thinking outside the box. I'd never considered that. Oh my lord! One site claimed that Cindy Jones, you remember, they were the ones trying to make the bed breakfast. She would feel uneasy and had like feel emotions in the house. Not her own, but like she would feel like old emotions, like she'd be hanging out and then suddenly she'd feel like sad. Uh. I don't I don't know. But she she said she would hear unexplained noises. And apparently they had some psychics come in and investigate and they decided that the tower was a hot spot of activity. But one paranormal investigator, Becky Ray of Paranormal Activity Investigations, doesn't really think that there are spirits in there. But again, nobody's investigated with modern equipment since the 80s. And that's because of Carl Lopp, who owns it now. Can I just ask, though, why do they call it hot spots when they like get cold feelings from these places? Well, I think it's like a hot spot of activity. I don't know that necessarily has to do with the temperature. I mean, like, just, oh, it, we're getting a lot of hits here. This is a hot spot. It seems a little con- contradictory. It's like, oh, it's this like is a cold Wi-Fi. spot. like ghost Wi-Fi. Yeah. Like, what? It's got five G of activity here. Yeah, it's five G's of activity. Yeah, five ghosts. <laughs> One G per ghost. Yeah, exactly. Well, we only can confirm four, but whatever. And even even then, we can't necessarily confirm it because it's all rumors and hearsay. Since again, nobody has professionally investigated the Sour Castle since the 1980s. Yeah. So, okay. So let's talk about Sour Castle in its current state. The current owner is Carl Lopp. And like I said, he is a direct descendant of Anton Sauer. And there's a lot of hate going on with Carl Lopp right now. And I initially wanted to jump on the Carl Lott hate train, but I'm going to ask everybody to keep an open mind. I'm going to say what is factual and true, and then we're going to go from there. So try and keep an open mind during all of this. So a lot of people are mad at Carl Lopp for letting the castle basically rot. Like it is not doing so hot right now. It is kind of crumbling and falling apart. He bought it in 1988, like I said, with the intent to restore it and made some repairs to the brick into the original porch. But he hasn't really done much since then. And he currently lives in New York in Manhattan. A lot of the newspaper articles give him shit for like, caring more about his Ferraris and being a Manhattan socialite than caring about this historic landmark in Kansas City, Kansas. He, so, he's being blamed for caring about his property, his other property, other than this castle that he doesn't live next to? Yes. Well, the people get mad because he's not doing anything to actually fix the house because back in like the 90s and 2000s, people really did want to help him fix it. And they tried to have the city come in and like developers come in to fix it. But Carl refused to let them help. And the neighborhood ended up deciding to let Carl finish his work uh, on his own. But he hasn't actually done anything. People get mad because he won't pay the taxes on his property until it's about to come up for auction and then um, he'll just pay them right before it goes to auction so people get all pissy about it because they just want to see this house restored they feel like he just keeps swooping in at the last minute and then doing nothing to actually Mm. fix it so a lot of people are really pissed off about that locally obviously i i I know but i'm just i'm just letting you know here's the facts (laughs) 
There's only one way that the local Kansas City, Kansas government could intercede, and it, and that would be if it if they were to come in, assess the property, and declare it to be uninhabitable and condemn it. But officials have not sent assessors in about a billion years to go and check out the property. But why would they? They have better things to be doing with their time. Unfortunately, there's a lot of blight in the Kansas City, Kansas area because they rolled back like laws to be able to eminent domain people's properties a long time ago, like right around the time of people wanting to restore the Sour Castle. But anyways, like I said, it's it's on the historic registry, but it's also number one on historic Kansas City's current list of the 10 most endangered buildings in the area. It is not doing well at all. Like it is coming down around the foundation. Like it it could be restored, but like every passing year that happens, it's less and less likely that anything's ever going to be done with this house. So in 1996, and this is this is an important piece of information that I'm definitely going to come back to later. Carl's caretaker. So the caretaker he assigned to watch over the property when he was in New York stole $30,000 worth of artifacts from the house, like sconces, furniture that was in the house, just a bunch of stuff and sold it. He was charged with felony theft, obviously, but that doesn't get back the $30,000 worth of artifacts from the house that were like, like gone. They're gone forever. Yeah. So in the 2000s, these are different developers than the bed and breakfast people from before. But in the 2000s, developers wanted to restore the winery and the villa to make it into a different B&B with like extra bungalows. But the neighborhood opposed that too, because again, they were worried about tourism and blah, blah, blah. But now they're sad that nothing's happening at this house. And it's like, well, you can't have it both ways. Like you can't be like, no, but also restore it, but don't invite people to be a part of this. And only Anton, oh, not Anton, but only Carl can can do it. But I wish that he would do something. Like, th- there's a lot of back and forth with the neighborhood. I don't know why. But anyways. Sounds like the Carl, pissiness of the neighborhood never left. <laughs> it, kinda, it was passed I mean, down from generation. They want it to be restored, but they don't want it to be a tourist destination and they want Carl to restore it specifically. And he's not doing it fast enough for anyone's taste. I don't know. It's just, there's a lot going on. Okay. So Carl has been very specific, especially with Facebook groups and other investigator sites saying there is, there are no ghosts on the property. There's nothing there. There never was anything there. Please stop looking for ghosts on my property because vandals just keep breaking in and destroying shit in my house and there's nothing to find and it's slowing down all of the work that he claims to be doing again i don't think he's actually working that hard on the house like i don't yeah. even know the last time he's done anything because it does not look like anything has been done since the house was built i don't think he's doing anything but he's just he's he found an excuse and i was running with it yeah, possibly. I'm just super happening. Uh, happening. I'm just super hoping that this podcast will help in two ways. One, vandals stop going to the Sour Castle. Okay, there, there's. He's definitely not gonna fix any of the castle if you keep fucking shit up. That it's just not gonna happen. Two, again, like I said, I wanted to be on the Carl hate train, but I can't. I have to put myself in Carl's shoes. Think about it. You buy back a piece of property that had been in your family for generations and you really, really, really want to restore it. Then the caretaker that you hire to help fix the house fucking sells all the shit out of it that they can get a hold of, including like copper pipes and wiring and stuff. Oh, God. Yeah, this asshole sells all this stuff. So 
I would be super discouraged. I don't know if I would want, like, because there's just so much more to do now. So I just want everybody to give Carl some grace and be like, okay, I would be super discouraged. I wouldn't want to come back. I want to go live in New York too with all of my socialite friends and not have to worry about it. Yeah, and Ferraris where people aren't fucking up my shit. People are so rude to Carl. And again, if you watch the YouTube video I mentioned earlier, he does kind of come off as like, an abrasive personality because it's Carl himself leading some of his family members through the house talking about different features of the house I think is both cool but again like I said he does come off as abrasive but again if you've had stuff stolen from you you might be pretty upset about it I think that he does want to restore the house but I don't know if he necessarily knows where to start at this point because it is not great I just want to if if anybody could send this to Carl up I just want to be like hey I hear you. I understand that it's very frustrating and that everybody's hating on you on Facebook and on social media and being like, Carl, you suck. You need to restore this house. And they don't know your life and they're coming for you at all angles. And I just want to say, hey, I get it. And me and Ethan want to offer our services to you. Yeah, we'll we'll take care of the house. I'm like a I'm an amateur carpenter, plumber, electrician thing. And uh, <laughs> yeah, very confidence inspiring. <laughs> yes, I'm very confident in it, and I can I can take care of it. Don't you worry about it. I'm trying to put myself in his shoes, and it's just like, listen, if you want somebody to come and take care of the house and start doing work on it, hire Ethan and I. We will do it. We will do the work. I'll figure it out. We'll try and do it exactly the way that you specify. And if you're hesitant, because we grew up on the Missouri side, I taught in Kansas City, Kansas for four years, so I'm familiar with the area. <laughs> Yeah, I got no backing on that one. But here's my thing. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Like, if the neighborhood really wants this house to be done and they want it to be restored, start a movement via social media and GoFundMe and put money up front. Because what is more motivating to people than not their own money going into something? Are you serious? Like, come on. You just, like, I can understand why Carl is like, he lives more than, more than a thousand miles away. Yeah. And, and he's like, no, I don't want to go back to Missouri. I'm, I like my life here. I have a good setting. I bought this because it's my, my family descendant. Like, dude, I get it completely. It's a, it's a huge tackle of a, of a task. And dude, yeah, no, no, the, the neighborhood's just assholes. First, I don't think are assholes. I think that they want it restored and it, they want it to be a private residence still. I think that the real assholes here are the vandals that keep coming onto the property to ghost hunt when it's just slowing any, any process down. Like, why would I want to keep putting money into something that people are going to just keep fucking up every time I like complete a project and I get it and that's why I want to say Carl Lop hire me and Ethan we will be the caretakers of your property and I'm just really excited like as soon as I found out about this house and did all of this research I got into it like I spent so much time looking into all of this make me your historian let's get this property back to its original glory and let me give tours. I am very personable and I pop and people really like me and I'm charismatic and I'm going to toot my own horn a, bu- horn a bunch because if I don't, nobody else will. Let me let me be your house's personal historian. He also wants to write a book about the history of his family. Let me write that book for you. My writing skills are pretty good. I used to teach English. Let me help. Or I want something the, to happen. Hire the Beer Eerie podcast to to vouch for your for your property and stuff and, and let us get on your property to disclaim all of 
of these hauntings because I truly believe that this is not a haunted residence. It probably isn't. People just associate it with it because it's Victorian style. And that's why people need to stop going on the property. You're ruining it for everyone. Oh, okay. Just let us help you. Help us help you. Because I don't want this house to rot away. Like that's where I get like that's where my emotions come out. Like it's 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 cool looking. It has a great history. And it's one of the first houses that had indoor plumbing and closets, which I love, and that's a big deal. And it would just be so cool if it could be brought back to like its former glory. Did you know the old neighbor? had stories about the house when it was still in the Sauer family and they would have big parties on the lawn because it had acreage like a ton of acreage and they'd have big parties for the neighborhood bring opera singers to sing off the balconies and stuff Carl think about how rad it would be to restore this house to its former glory get some local singers and have a big ass party invite all your New York friends and look like you'd be a celebrity man like you'd be so cool don't let your legacy I don't care about them. Let your legacy be that you restored this gorgeous property, not that you let it rot away. Let me help you in any way that I can. So if Carl Lopp wanted to like reach out to us, I think he should shoot us an email. Yes, at beery.eerie at gmail.com. That would be amazing. And let us, <laughs> let, us, let us front your adventure of restoring this home. Yes. One of the things that I think is really weird, and I think that this is people messing with like the Wikipedia and stuff, not the Wikipedia itself, but like when you Google the Sour Castle, one of the reviews that comes up for it existing says, nice place, hamburger and fries were excellent. It's not a restaurant, y'all. <laughs> I think you are having some ghost burgers and fries. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> I don't think it had any nutritional value whatsoever. Well, if you ate a ghost burger and fries, would that give you a spooky dookie? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> well, we're not sure that it's haunted, but we definitely want to see it restored to its former glory because it's an interesting piece of architecture, possibly designed by the first professional architect in Kansas City. Great history. It would just be an interesting place. Like my ideal world would be that you could take tours like at the Vale Mansion and do ghost hunting if you wanted to and just be a rad place. That's like my ideal. And I would be at the head of it all helping run this fabulous business. <laughs> <laughs> we got we got some work, footwork to do before that. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there one of these days. So where can people find us, Ethan? That brings me into, they can find us on a lot of different outlets. Um, if you are a listener of Spotify, you probably have been wondering why we haven't been posting anything. The fact of the matter is we have been. I messed up our feed. We so, accidentally had two Spotify accounts and one of them was updating and the other wasn't. So if you followed the first one, it looks like we haven't done anything in a while. Yes. The old one will go down here in the next couple hours and the new one will stay, stay up. Resubscribe yourself to that, please. I beg <laughs> of you. And they can find us at so on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. We're on Stitcher, Pocket Casts. We're on anchor.fm is our is our base location that's where we upload wherever you find to. your podcasts we're also on instagram and twitter and facebook yes friend us write us reviews oh like and subscribe and write reviews i know it gets boring leave me mean tweets if you hate the things that we say we will read the mean comments i will read them with equal glee that i do any good comments also write nice comments to us too we like to hear from you uh. tell us what you think do you think sour castle is haunted do you think that we could find a way to get carl out to restore the house but be nice about it so i mean think about it if people were being a dick to me why would i come and fix shit 
Like, I'm not going to do anything. Obviously, I'm not wanted in KC, so I'm not going back there. Yeah, exactly. We're supposed to be a nice town. People know Kansas City for being a nice place. Also, for barbecue and the Chiefs and the Royals and the sporting KC, we're amazing. Boulevard, beer for days. Like, we're, we're an incredible place. And we can be made more incredible if we're just super nice and we help a brother out just saying (laughs) hit us up let us know what you think if you got an idea for another episode hit us up on that as well any stories you have let us know we have we have one in the shoot for a listener episode but we're looking just for a couple more yeah send us your scary stories hell yeah (laughs) also join the beery eerie society and by going to the facebook page and liking it for now yeah and joining us yeah so you got anything to to put out there Nope. Did too much talking today. (laughs) I don't have anything to put out either. So thank you all for listening. Thank you. I love you. Goodbye. Bye.